0: Check your Bibles again, if you will, and we're going back to John chapter 15. Some of you are looking ahead, finding is there a final verse in John 15? There is. <laughs> this has just been so incredibly absorbing. Every word, every phrase, every sentence, every verse has just been so incredibly applicable, and and so the Lord's just allowed us to just stay in this, to dig down deep, to really enjoy what He's saying. You know, when you when you do a study of God's Word and you go word by word, verse by verse, there's, you know, there's just so much He wants to share with us. And that's what we've been doing now for a couple of months. And if you will, let's read again. I want to read this time from verses 7 and 8. If you'll turn there, John chapter 15, 7 and 8. We're really going to focus mostly on 7, but they flow together. They're one central thought. So read them together with me, if you will. John chapter 15, verses 7 and 8. If you abide in me, there's that word again, we keep hearing it over and over and over again. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you will and it will be done for you. And by this, by this, by you abiding in me and by my words abiding in you, by this, just looking back to that, then... This is what's so powerful. My, by this is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so shall you be my disciples. This is the definitive part. Okay, let's pray together. Holy Spirit, thank you so much for calling us into worship, for, for eliciting from us, from the very depths of our being, praise and adoration of who you are, for the privilege of giving you have given us so much. So much spiritually as well as physically. You have done so much for us. We have opportunity to worship You and bless You and praise You by giving in Your name. And now we, we come to Your Word. As hungry children coming to a table, as Your thirsty offspring coming to a well, speak to our hearts, Lord. We just bear our souls before You because You bear all heaven to us. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. From the very beginning of this chapter, Jesus makes it clear that there are three participants He wants us to know about. He wants us to know that the Father is the vine dresser. He's the one who takes care of all of His vine and all of the branches. Jesus is the vine. He's the vine. He is the one who's anchored in the Father, anchored in the source of of strength and, and power and such. And then in the vine, growing out from the vine are the branches. And we find out that we are the branches. We are those who are growing out of Christ Jesus. And we've learned that our responsibility is not so much in bearing fruit. That's God's responsibility. Our responsibility is abiding in the vine staying in close, life-giving union with divine. That's what we're called to do. That's our responsibility. That's where God's got us. And as we deeply abide in Him, and we'll talk more about that as time goes on, as we draw our life source, even as that that branch draws the sap up out of the vine and out into the branch, as we draw our life source out of our relationship with Jesus Christ, then this fruit naturally grows, naturally comes out of that abiding. Now, I want you to see here that in verse 5, he gives us a pair. I am the vine, you are the branches, he who abides in me and I in him. He does this a couple of times. If you abide in me, and I abide in you. But when we get to verse 7, there's a little different pair. It says, if you abide in me, and my words abide in you. Now this is a little different, but it's, very, it's, it's still in, in the very same in, in some, some way. This pair talks about this moment by moment, day to day relationship of abiding. From our very first conscious thought, where we wake up in the morning to that most planned uh, thing that's going to happen during the day. And everything in between. Abiding is receiving everything we need for the day from our relationship with Him. This text has two halves. And we've got to divide it in half in order to really get the the, the power out of it. Okay? It's an if-then clause. If this happens, then this will happen and here's the if in. that's the first part if you abide in me and if my words abide in you that's the first part that's the conditional part okay these two things have to happen for, for this to happen if you're abiding in me and if my words are abiding in you then you can ask what you will and it will be done for you it's a done deal that's the if then. So let's take it apart. Let's talk about the first part of the verse, the if part, and then we'll talk about the then part. First of all, it says, if you abide in me. Now, we spend a lot of time on this, and yet I know it's something that may be a little bit complex. It's very, very simple, but at the same time, it's very complex. I had somebody ask me during our fellowship time, Brother Fred, I'm still struggling to understand what this abiding means. What does that look like? Because we've got to somehow uh, visualize it for us to really be able to get a grasp of what this is talking about. One way to look at it is, is abiding, just like Jesus said, the branch abides in the vine. It's, it's in life-giving contact with the vine. Apart from the vine, the branch just withers and dies. So we have to draw our life essence, our life source, our ability to get up and just move forward out of our relationship with Jesus Christ. So to abide simply means that, to draw your life source from divine, from Jesus Christ. That's, that's, that's what it means. What does that look like? It, it looks very much, and, and again, I'm doing a little reviewing right here. It looks very much like every moment we're aware that we're in him and he's in us. We're aware as we're, we're walking and getting our exercise that He's in Him and in us and we're in Him. When we're having our breakfast, when we're doing our devotions, when we're going off to work, when we're having that interview, when we're taking that test, it is an awareness that there's a spiritual dimension going on in my life. I am in Christ and Christ is in me. And that causes things to happen. Here in this verse, he takes that a little step further, and this is where we need to go today. If you're abiding in me, and then he changes the second part, and my words are abiding in you. Okay, let's stop for a minute. What does that mean? What does that mean for his words to abide in us? Okay, that means, first of all, we've got to become very much aware of his word. We've got to become very much aware of our Bible. Folks, listen to me very carefully. Do not try to divorce yourself being in Christ from you being in His Word. If you're not in His Word, you're going to be weak and anemic. You're not going to know Him in the fullness of the way He wants you to know Him. Do not take any substitute for being in the Word of God. You need time every day to open your Bible, to read that Word, take time to study it, to memorize it, to apply it. What does this, how does this relate to me? Because here's what you're doing. So intricately is Christ and His Word connected that when you read His Word, you're hearing His voice. You're experiencing being with Him. And not only is He living in you all of a sudden, that living in you is beginning to take on a voice. Is beginning to have actual words to it and that word is literally giving you life and direction and power and strength and ability let me share a little quote with you letting the words of Jesus Christ abide in us means letting Jesus abide in us speaking his words and thoughts into our minds and spirits It means we welcome Jesus into our lives and make room for him to live not as a silent guest with no opinions or commands, but as an authoritative guest whose opinions matter more than anyone else's and whose commands are ours to follow. Do you get that? That's a big, big difference. Christ, when He comes in, let me tell you something. When we make room for Christ in our lives, and we begin to open the Word of God, then what we find is, as He abides, His views abide in us. As He abides, His priorities abides in us. As He abides, His promises abides in us. As He abides, His power abides in us. As He abides, His commandments abide in us. In short, when Christ abides in us, His words abide in us. He did not come into your life just to save you, but to mold you and make you the man or woman of faith that He's calling forth for you to be. And how does He do that? He does that by His word. You need to spend time in your Bible. Okay, you... You can have a good devotional guide to go along with you. You can have some great commentaries if you want to. These are wonderful and I encourage you along those lines, but make no substitute for the Word of God itself. And see, what happens is when the Word begins to abide in us, we're drawing strength. We're drawing power. We're drawing strength encouragement we're drawing information and direction all of these things because Christ is living in me speaking Christ is living me talking and giving me direction because he's abiding in me and his words are abiding here you see this is imperative so here's a question how am I drawing my life source right out of the Word of God? How, how is my life being impacted by me spending time in the Word? How is my attitudes different now than before I started reading the Word? Because you see, if we're abiding in Him and His words are abiding in us, attitudes, actions, opinions change. Why? Because he's in us. And he's not silent. He's speaking powerfully right through his word. So here's, the, here's this side of the equation. If you're abiding in me. And if my words are abiding in you. Then, we get the other side of the equation. Then you ask what you will. And it shall be done unto you. Let's camp out there just for a little bit. Let me tell you first of all, this is not a blank check for you to fill in anything that you want. Be careful that you don't wrench a text out of its context. Don't take a scripture out of all of the things that are written around it. You will misunderstand it, you will misapply it, and it will not work for you. Prayer is in Jesus' name according to His will and for God's glory. Let me say that again. I want you to grasp that. You may want to write it down in your notes. Prayer is in His name according to His will and for His glory. Now we're going to unpackage that a little bit as we go on this morning. Okay? The context demands that this prayer flows out of Jesus abiding in us and His Word abiding in us, and that being the case, then prayer. Because this governs this. Him abiding in us and His words having life-giving power in our lives, that directs our praying. You see? they connected together. They grow together. And so, it would be unthinkable for us to ask anything That is not the very voice of God Himself speaking to us through His Word. Now, I'm sorry that really upsets you because I know several of you are really depending on winning the lottery. And this will impact your prayers there, okay? And that Lamborghini, okay? All right? Because this praying is about me and my wants and my desires, okay? And it may not look anything like what God's will and God's desire is for my life. This is totally, totally different. It concerns me again when people start taking passages of Scripture out of their context. Probably one that gets abused more than any is is, uh, Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, I love that verse. I depend on that verse. I have prayed that verse, benefited from that verse over and over again. But listen to me. That's not a blank check. Because some of us will take that passage and will try to use that to force God to answer our prayer and give us the strength that we need. That's not prayer. When you stop and go back to the context of that verse, What's Paul saying? What is he experiencing? He says, look, I know how to be abased. That means humiliated, put down. I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everything and in all things I've learned to be full and also to be hungry. Both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. What is he saying? That's not that's not saying, I can get God to do my bidding it's as I am following Him, even when I'm suffering, even when I am being abused, I am strengthened because I'm just where God wants me to be. I'm in His will. And His will is not comfortable right now. I'm not getting all my wants. But God is there to supply my every need. You see, don't don't snatch that out of his context. And the same is true with this passage right here. Don't get the, I can ask whatever I will and God will do that for me. No, no, a thousand times no. But if he's abiding in me and his word is abiding in me and I'm drawing my life source, my essence, my ability, everything that is me, out of the source that is Jesus Christ, then an amazing thing happens. My natural will gets subjected to his. And his desire is more important than mine. My needs suddenly take on a whole different perspective. And they're so much less than the needs that he brings to the table for me. This is not a blank check, folks. This is an if-then promise. An if-then promise. When my will wants to be absolutely in keeping with his, when his desire is more important than mine, because I found my life being transformed by me being in him and his word being in me, that changes how I pray. It becomes the filter, the lens that I have to look through in order to offer prayer up to God. So here I want you to see this is not a blank check. It's a promise. But it's an if-then promise. If these things are met, then this is going to happen. Now, let's, let's unpackage that just a little bit more. The primary reason for this kind of praying is to bear fruit, okay? Prayer is not for gratifying my own natural desires. It's for fruit bearing for the glory of God. Now, that changes things entirely. That changes things entirely. That I'm not taking prayer is this, okay, me, me, my, my, I need, I want, I want, I need what. Those words can still happen. Those words can still happen. But they're subservient to God, what are your wants? What are your will? What is it that you are doing in my life or you want to do in my life? How is it you want to use me to bear fruit, to bring honor and glory to yourself? Somebody's mind just got blown. I can hear it. Okay? See, we we, we think about prayer is that we pick up the lamp and we rub it, rub it, rub it, rub it and get God to pop out and when He does He gives us three wishes. No. That's not in your Bible, folks. That reminds me of a movie I've seen but that's not in the Bible. Okay? Prayer to have the power that God wants it to have in our lives. It comes out of us abiding in him, his word abiding in us. And then that prayer reflects the very will and desire of Jesus. Let me blow your mind. I'm going to say it again later, but let me go ahead and say it right now. Here's what prayer is. You walk before the throne of Almighty God, and you say, God, here is what Jesus wants. And I want it too. And God looks down and says, I'm one with my son. So his will is my will. And my will is his will. And boy, it looks like you finally understand. Yes. Yes. That's prayer. That's what it means to pray in his name. That's what it means to be a prayer according to his will. That the father is glorified by the fruit then that is born. I want you to walk away with four things real quick about this kind of praying, okay? Four things. First of all is this. Prayer is vitally connected with fruit bearing. These two go together, all right? God designed prayer to give you and I an opportunity that his power may flow through us, that we may bear fruit in our lives, and that fruit glorify God. That's what prayer is. Here's how it works. We're saying, God... We understand this is your will. This is the will of the Son. This is the will of the Holy Spirit. We embrace that as as our will. We surrender that to you. Do what it is you want to do in my life. And when God does what he wants to do in your life, you know what's going to happen? (whistles) He is going to get the glory. People are going to look out there and say, look what God did. Look what God did in that person's life. Not not look what they did, how they lifted themselves up by their bootstraps and now they're, they're, they're successful. No. Look how God healed that broken marriage. Look how God restored that wayward husband or wayward father and their family is one again. It's where God's the one gets bragged on, not us. Because the fruit that restored man or that, that renewed marriage is bringing honor and glory and bragging on Jesus for what he's done. Not on the people involved. When you have been deeply, deeply, deeply hurt and knifed in the back by somebody, And by God's grace, you can release them from that indebtedness in forgiveness. People step back and say, man, what a powerful, powerful man or woman that must have been. Uh Uh-uh. Because in our natural man, we don't forgive anybody. We get even or we get ahead. But Holy Spirit says, no, this is about me. This is about the Father being glorified. And so when I give you the supernatural ability to release someone who has hurt you so deeply, then I'm the one that gets bragged on. I'm the one who gets the glory, not you. That's how this prayer works. And and we see how it's connected, even down in verse 16. Look down at verse 16 for a minute. Verse 16, Jesus says, You did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you that you should go and, there it is, bear fruit. And that your fruit should remain that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may do for you. Same thought. Little different words, same thought. So here's the point. You and I malfunction prayer when we make it about ourselves. You and I short-circuit prayer when we make it about ourselves. Now, now, let me pause a minute and say, I know there's places in the Bible that teach that you need to pray about very basic things. Didn't, preacher, didn't Jesus say in, in the Lord's Prayer, Give us this day our daily bread? Yes, he did. Many times we're told to pray about our own particular needs. I, I'm not discarding that. But let's go to that Lord's Prayer. How does it begin that we pray, God, that your name would be hallowed, respected, honored, and revered. In my life. And that your will. Might be done here on earth. As it is in heaven. So if you are honored and glorified. Give us this day our daily bread. There's no contradiction here. It's the same thing. And all of those times. When we're taught to, to pray when we're sad. Or when we're hurt. Or pray for deliverance. Or whatever it is. It always flows out of the purpose of that prayer. Is that God is glorified. And we grow and bear fruit. That's the power. Don't malfunction prayer by making it be about us. Second thought I want you to go over is this. The words of Jesus abiding in us, that's what prepares us for fruit-making prayer. His word abiding in us prepares us for fruit-bearing prayer. See, here's the major challenge that God has in my life. The major challenge he has in my life is make me the kind of person that is not dominated by my own wants. That's his challenge. To make Fred Lodge into a person that can pray and it can't be about him. That's a challenge. And it's a challenge for all of us. Because by nature it's all about us. By nature we're very selfish. If you're a totally unselfish person, I'm sorry I'm not preaching to you, Okay but for all the rest of us, we are. And so the greatest challenge of prayer is to get me out of me and get me focused on him and what he's about and what his will is for me. And that flows again out of getting in his word, understanding his word. Let me give you a couple of examples real quick. 1 John 1.10 says, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Did you get that? If we say we haven't sinned, then we're calling him a liar. That's not a good idea, folks. But what is that? He says his word is not in us. Why? Because if his word is in us, we understand who we are. We know what we're made out of. We know our natural bent, okay? And so that word has changed my attitude about me. They understand that I am prone, like the song says, prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. That's, that's my proneness. That's where we are. But if the word is abiding within me, it opens my eyes and says, Fred, you're, you're, not, you're not as sharp as you think you are. You had not got it together as much as you think you are. You're not as sinless as you might think you are. Go to another one. John 17, we're going to be there eventually. John 17, 8 says, They have received my words and truly understand that I came from you. If you truly have understood the words God puts in your mouth, you know who Jesus is. Because this word reveals to us. It's the revelation of God himself to our heart. And so when we're in that word, it's going to reveal to us, this is not just a man. This is not just a carpenter. This is almighty God become a man. Yeah. How do we know that? Because he's abiding in us and his word is abiding in us. Give me another one. 1 John 2.14 says, I have written to you, young men, because the word of God abides in you, there it is, and therefore you have overcome the evil one. Did you get that? When he's abiding in, when I'm abiding in him and his word is abiding in me, then I have the ability to discern the counterfeits and lies of the enemy. And I can follow the truth. How do I know the truth? Because I'm living in it. I'm living in that word. And I'm knowing the truth. And the enemy can't get me deterred. I have power over Satan as I'm abiding in his word and as I'm abiding in him. John 15, 33, we looked at it earlier. You're already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. And later in 1717, he'll say, sanctify them in your truth. Your word is truth. When the word of God comes into us, it cleanses us. And it sets us apart for God's holy purpose. You see, these are just a few things. We can go on and on. This is just a few from John. The power the word has in us. Okay? And it changes the way we pray. So third thing is this. The more I'm saturated in the words of Christ, the more my prayers are going to be answered. Put it in a rhyme. More saturated by the word, more surely prayers are assured. You can know that. You can know. The challenge of prayer is the challenge to become to come, the to kind of person who can pray on the level of not my will but yours be done. And the key to that is his words abiding in me. Don't substitute anything for the Word of God, folks. You need need a plan. Do you have a plan? You know, if you fail to plan, then you plan to fail, okay? You need a plan about spending time in God's Word. You need to decide on a place and decide on a time and take your Bible and put it there in that place. And put also a commentary, if you want that, or a devotional book. Put your journal right there to where everything is laid out. All you're going to need is a cup of coffee and you're ready to go, all right? And so you have a plan. And you have a plan what to do. When I get there, I'm going to pray, God, I just want to fellowship with you. I want to hear your voice right out of your word. Speak to my heart. And my answer is yes. That's your your plan. And so you make that, and then you spend time there in the Word. And then what do you do? You spend time collectively with us here. Do you know getting in the Word of God is so much about what we're about? This is the, the very life flow here at First Baptist Church, is out of the Word of God. That's why you find me and Derek and others, we preach right out of the Word of God. And we devote all this time for Bible study, I hope earlier that, that you came early today and you were in a Bible study group and you started your Sunday with us in Bible study. There are people in Bible study right now. They were in worship earlier, but now they're in Bible study. Each of them, they've got a group that they can go to, a class all throughout the week. We've got men's groups and, and ladies' groups and we've got service groups. and we, uh, All of these things are going on because everything we do is anchored in the Word. Choir practice is anchored in the Word. Working with children and youth is anchored in the Word. Everything we do starts and ends here. Okay? This is who we are. This is what you're a part of. So be saturated. Have a plan. Be saturated in the Word. Finally is this. Prayer is not for gratifying our natural desires, but knowing and seeking His desires. This is, is, is essential. It's always been this way. Praying God's name according to his will and, and seeking his kingdom come. This is his desire for us. Take a minute, write this down. Write, write this, this down on your bulletin. Psalm 37, 4. You don't have to turn to there right now, but Psalm 37, 4. I want you to look at this a little later. But I want you to, to see is this. This didn't just start... When God became a man, Jesus Christ, and began to speak. This, this started way back with the psalmist. Because the same God was inspiring him. Psalm 37 4 says this. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Do you get that? If your delight, if your joy, if what floats your boat is God... Then what does he do? My desires begin to become his desires. And his desires begin to become my desires. And the two become intricately interwoven together. This is where he wants you. That prayer is not about you. It's about him. That prayer is about him enabling you to bear fruit that will bring him glory. And again... Here is prayer. You go to God and you say, Father, here is what your Son, the crucified, risen Lord of glory, Jesus Christ, here's what he's asking. And I'm asking in his name and according to his will and for your glory. And God says, yes, absolutely. You got it. Now you understand. starts with abiding brother Fred I don't know how to even start abiding I'm not sure I totally understand what that means can I tell you the first step the first step of abiding because you can't take the second step or the third step till you take the first step the first step of abiding is recognizing that you're a sinner in need of a Savior Recognizing that you are separated by your sin from the goodness and the wonder of who Christ is. But acknowledging that God has done something to fix that. When God became the man Jesus Christ, he lived a perfect life. No sin, nothing in him at all. But then what he did is he went to the cross and he took my punishment and my shame And my sin upon himself and when he died he took your punishment too and when he rose three days later it was so he could give you his eternal life how does that happen brother Fred it happens by you just simply saying God I confess to you I'm a sinner in need of a Savior I've lived life my own way. Now I want to live it your way. I dare to believe that you died to take my sins on yourself. And you rose so that I could have your life. God, come into my life right now. Come into my heart right now. Abide in me. Come live in me. Cleanse me of all of my sin. I want you to be the boss the king, the ruler of my life. I surrender myself to you. Have you ever done that? Have you ever come to that time in your life that this is the prayer I pray to God and this is the desire of my heart? That's how you start to abide. That's how you're saved. That's how you enter into God's family. And I'm going to lead you in a prayer to to affect that right now bow your heads, close your eyes if you have never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ if you've never asked him to come into your heart and be your Lord and Savior then now's the time you pray silently but you pray with me right now silent prayer reaches the far side of heaven, I want you to know that just say dear God I confess I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I dare to believe you died on the cross to take my sins upon yourself. And you rose again to give me your life. Come into my heart. Cleanse me from all of my sins. Set a throne in my life To where you can be my king, my boss, my Lord, my controller. I surrender my life to you. According to the word of God, if that prayer has become yours today, God has answered it. The angels are rejoicing in heaven because you've been born again into the kingdom of God. And we want to rejoice with you too. So here in these next few moments, as our praise team leads us in this song, this is going to be an invitation song. A time you can say yes to God. God wants you to come forward and take Derek or Goody by the hand. Just say, I prayed with the preacher. Or will you pray with me what the preacher said? They'll do it. Maybe you want to unite with our fellowship. Come on. Just tell them. Maybe you just want to come to the altar and pray. Pour out your heart for yourself or somebody else. It's time to do business with God. Nobody's going to get up and leave. Nobody's going to walk out. We're just going to do business with God. Father, this is our prayer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.